Why has Triple H been so successful? Why is Triple H running WWE better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard on Monday and Friday night? Long-term booking. guys thank you so very much for joining me right here on off the script this is episode 471 for your march 30th 2023 i am your host jd from new york as always coming to you live from the ots venue thank you guys so very much for joining me on this happy hour your thursday afternoons wherever you may be man it's crazy man it really it really is crazy how there are people out there that genuinely believe what comes out of these WWE higher-ups and the shit that they say. They believe everything that comes out of their mouth, man. Before we even get into anything, my guy Sal Rex just sent me something that I didn't know was said. It's going around on social media. Bruce Pritchard says this in regards to Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon hasn't had any creative input yet. He made it to TV once and really had nothing other than, nothing to say other than great show. Thank you guys in that regard. He is busy working on the business end of things and has given us free reign, end quote. <laughs> oh, man. Listen, man, Bruce, I didn't know you were a comedian in your off time, bro. <laughs> oh, my God, man. I don't know. Who believes this fucking clown? Are you kidding me? Bruce Pritchard is one of the guys in this entire company. He may be at the top, right underneath Nick Khan. That you cannot trust at all. I don't know why anybody would believe anything out of his mouth, man. It's it's ridiculous how you people, man, there are fucking dummies out there that don't see what is going on, man. They are blatantly lying to you. Right to your face. It's in plain sight. They don't even want to hide it anymore man it is crazy man that's just a little that's just a little piece of the fucking cake that we got tonight man we're gonna go over what nick conman had to say on stephen a smith we're gonna go over what he said on cnbc we're gonna go over what he said with colin cowherd it's he was all over the place today man and believe me Believe me, there's one person in this community that knows what Nick Khan's up to, man. It's me. I got all the fucking lies lined up for you guys today, man. It's going to be a very, very entertaining show, to say the least. Also, we'll go over WrestleMania stuff. WWE announced WrestleMania night one and night two, the full match cards. We'll go over that. Triple H believes that Jay White is going to sign with WWE in a new, res- in a new report from WrestleVotes. So we'll go over that. 
Uh, Don Callis, the situation with Don Callis is a lot much, uh, a lot worse than what we kind of reported on and talked about last night. The uh, injury to Don Callis was so severe that Dave Meltzer said he was at the hospital till 3 a.m. in St. Louis last night. And it was so bad, the cut was so deep that you could see his skull. That's how bad it was, so we'll go over that. Poor Don Callis, man. My thoughts and prayers go out to uh, Don Callis. And we'll go over some WWE Hall of Fame news. Tim White is in the news as uh, as it pertains to the Warrior Award. Uh, good for him. Uh, he is absolutely deserving of such an honor. And we'll go over some AEW news and notes as well, man. we got a loaded show for you guys. A full-fledged Sunday show right here on Thursday and it's going to be a busy week. It's going to be a very busy week uh, going into the Raw after WrestleMania, man. So we got a lot coming up. Tomorrow night's the big one, man. Tomorrow night's the big one. We got the opening night, the debut of the brand new extension, the brand new underground speakeasy right here in the venue, man. And it's what I'm calling my mother's basement. Tomorrow night, I want you guys to come to the venue dressed to impress, ready to drink, ready to chill and hang out, man. It's going to be an experience, let me tell you. Absolutely stunning. It's the first time we're going to be in the new design. And I can't wait to show you guys what my team over at Deviate worked on for the last three months. Unbelievable. I may even show up wearing a suit jacket tomorrow night. I don't know. We'll figure it out. So that's going to be VIP only, man. That's members only tomorrow because uh, I can do such a thing. So if you guys are not a channel member and you want to get in on all the festivities tomorrow and you want to be a part of the live stream chat, you're going to need to sign up and become a channel member. So that is down below. Hit that join button. Become a VIP right here on Off The Script. Also, while you're down there, hit that subscribe button down below. And turn on the bell for notifications. Also, while you're down there, hit that thumbs up. Kindly, let's try for 1,000 likes on today's OTS 471. We just hit 143,000 subscribers on YouTube. I appreciate you guys very much. Follow me on social media. It's going to be the place to be to keep up to date on everything that's going on. At JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Please go and follow me on social media. Like I said, it's going to be a very busy weekend. We're going to be live for Friday Night Smackdown. We're going to be live for NXT Stand and Deliver. We'll be doing a live, for the first time on this channel, a live hangout, a live reaction. So if you guys are watching the show, I'm going to be watching it with you guys. So let's all hang out together on Saturday afternoon, 1 p.m. I will be doing a live reactions to NXT Stand and Deliver right here on the podcast. So that's going to be fun. We'll have a couple of beers. We'll hang out. And uh, we'll watch Carmelo Hayes win the NXT championship from Braun Breaker on Saturday afternoon before the night one festivities get underway, where you guys know I will be live on Saturday night for WrestleMania night one. Very excited about what's to come this weekend. Night two on Sunday, and then Monday Night Raw, the Raw after WrestleMania, the most highly anticipated Raw after Mania in many years because of Triple H's involvement in planning everything on that show. So a lot to come. And I'm glad you guys are joining me right here on the podcast. Please make sure you go check out all the other videos on the channel. Plenty of it, man. 
We got Monday Night Raw from Monday. We got AEW last night with Dynamite. Jesse and I were live. If you guys want to go back and watch Sunday's show, if you haven't watched it, excellent show as well. We talk about the CM Punk situation. Tuesday, I uploaded an extra on my thoughts with John Moxley appearing on his wife's podcast to kind of talk about the CM Punk Instagram story that was deleted over the weekend. So go check all that stuff out. And tonight's show is sponsored by my great friends over at Blue Chew. BlueChew.com. Code JD at checkout. You guys are going to get a free sample on me. All you have to do is pay the $5. Shipping and handling. That's BlueChew.com. Code JD at checkout. And I want to thank them for once again, as always, supporting the podcast right here on Off The Script. WWE announces the match cards for both night one and night two of WrestleMania. There was a little confusion with this, which I'll get into in a second, as WWE posted this early this morning. WWE confirmed the cards for both nights of WrestleMania 39 this morning during ESPN's first take. Now, night one is looking like this. There was a little confusion with John Cena and Austin Theory showing up on the graphic at the very top on night one. And then on night two, they had the same thing with Roman Reigns and Cody Rhodes. So people were thinking that WWE changed their minds and made the main event of night one, John Cena and Austin Theory, for the United States Championship. That is not the case. As Michael Cole said on Friday... That John Cena and Austin Theory for the United States Championship will be opening WrestleMania Night 1. That is indeed the opening match. WWE confirmed that on Friday and then doubled down on that this afternoon. So John Cena, Austin Theory, Night 1 opening the show. Charlotte and Rhea Ripley for the SmackDown Women's Championship is happening on Night 1. Is it the main event? I don't think so at this point. I don't think it's the main events. I honestly think that WWE knows that both women's championship matches are very weak in story. So it really doesn't make any sense for that match to go on last because it would be a complete embarrassment. And you don't really want to end the show like that with a match that has basically no heat going into it. So that is on night one. Also on night one, which I do believe will end up being the main event is the Usos defending the Tag Team Championships against Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. The Undisputed Tag Team Championships being defended at WrestleMania. And what I honestly believe, if you came to me and told me that this was the most important tag team title match in company history, I would not second-guess you at all. This may be the most important tag team championship match in WWE history. And I can't wait to see how that all unfolds, man. It's going to be a magical moment for Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens as the Usos have that long title reign on the line as well. Will it come to an end on Saturday night? The six-woman tag team match that features Trish Stratus, Becky Lynch, and Lita versus Damage Control, Bayley, Dakota Kai, and EO Sky also taking place on night one. Seth Rollins and Logan Paul in a singles match on night one. Rey Mysterio versus Dominic Mysterio is taking place on night one. And then the men's showcase match, fatal four-way tag team match with Braun Strowman Ricochet versus Alpha Academy. That's Chad Gable and Otis versus the Viking Raiders and the Street Profits. So night one 
is looking pretty solid right there, man. I got to admit, looking pretty solid. A lot to like about that. Dominic and Ray, I feel, is a tremendous match. I think that's the second best storyline going into WrestleMania. Right underneath the Usos, Sami Zayn, and Kevin Owens, I would actually, and I said this on Friday night last, last week during the SmackDown Post, I would put that match above Roman Reigns and Cody Rhodes as far as story is concerned for WrestleMania. So I love what they did with Dominic and Ray, and I can't wait to see how that all unfolds as well. Rollins and Logan Paul is something that could realistically steal the entire weekend. And then we have the John Cena-Austin Theory match. So there's a lot to like about night one. Night one looks like it's going to be a fucking fun night. Then we get into night two, which you guys know, Roman Reigns will be defending the undisputed championships against Cody Rhodes. That is the main event of the entire WrestleMania show. Raw Women's Championship, Bianca Belair defends the Raw Women's title against Asuka. No heat at all. Actually worse than Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley. No story whatsoever going into that match. Should be a great match, but at this point, you know, I did have originally... In my mind, that Asuka was going to win the championship. I don't think Asuka's winning the championship. I don't think Bianca Belair loses that championship. Asuka's been booked so weak coming out of the Royal Rumble that I really can't see Asuka winning the championship. And if it, if it does happen, what good is it going to do for her? I don't understand it. I think Bianca Belair is great. Don't get me wrong. But Bianca Belair's reign has been kind of boring, in my honest opinion. So that's happening on night two. The Intercontinental Championship is on the line on night two. Gunther will defend the IC title against Sheamus and Drew McIntyre in a triple threat match. So the IC title, man, like I said about Logan Paul and Seth Rollins, could be the match that steals the entire weekend. We will see. Hell in a Cell. As you can see, night two is already shaping up to be the more wrestling-heavy night of WrestleMania. Hell in a Cell. Edge versus the demon Finn Balor. Now, Gangrel already photographed himself at an airport on the way to Los Angeles, and it's been rumored that Gangrel will be a part of Edge's entrance for WrestleMania as Edge is more than likely going to channel his inner brood to battle Finn Balor's demon inside Hell in a Cell. Additionally, the Hell in a Cell is no longer red. They're going back to the original steel color for the Hell in a Cell cage. They changed it finally, and we now have the original Hell in a Cell back. I know. Some, I know, man. It's crazy. It's, it's amazing what some Triple H influence will do, you know? Can't wait to see what the actual Hell in a Cell looks like after being blinded for so many years under Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard. Another interesting note that I want you guys to be cognizant of, okay? Someone brought this to my attention, and I'm going to read it out loud. Shout out to, uh, he's probably listening to the show. I don't want to shout him out, but he knows who he is. He sent me this tweet. And he says, and I quote, I hear that Gangrel is going to be a part of Edge's entrance since he likes to bring back the brood stuff nowadays for big matches, but the possibility also of Miles Kennedy and Alter Bridge playing Edge to the ring for night two has been heightened since they are not performing and not on tour 
they're on tour right now with uh, Wolf Van Halen. They're not playing on night two of WrestleMania. So people are now speculating that Ultra Bridge could potentially be one of the surprises that Nick Khan is talking about for WrestleMania. I'm actually getting chills just even thinking about it. Imagine Ultra Bridge finally, after all these fucking years, playing Metalingus and playing Edge to the ring, man. I, I think I may, uh, what, did, what did Jesse say last night? He think he wet himself? I, I think I may wet myself if we see that at WrestleMania. That'll be fuck. That'll be fucking crazy, man. Imagine Miles, the beautiful fucking melodious tones of Miles Kennedy in front of 80,000 fucking people at SoFi Stadium singing Edge to the Ring. I mean, you could not ask for anything better. You could not. I would love to see that happen. I hope, th I hope that there's some, you know, possibility to that, but uh, we will see. Uh, I I'm not really banking on it, but uh, the fact that they're not playing and they're not on tour for April 2nd, We'll see, man. There is a possibility that it does happen. Brock Lesnar versus Omos in a singles match. The Beast versus the Immovable Object in Omos. That's taking place on night two. And then the Women's Showcase match. Raquel Rodriguez, Liv Morgan versus Natalia and Shotzi versus Ronda and Shayna versus Sonya Deville and Chelsea Green. Uh, nobody cares about that match. So as far as what I see, one, two, three, four, five matches on night two. Now, if you include that women's showcase match, that's six matches. So night one already has seven matches. We got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven matches on night one and six matches on night two. So obviously, night two is missing a match to make things even seven across the board for night one and night two. We don't know where LA Knight's going to be. We don't know where Bobby Lashley's going to be. We don't know what's going to happen on SmackDown on Friday night with the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. We could see something happen in that match that leads to a match at WrestleMania for night two. Bobby Lashley did say that he's going to show up and be ready to kick somebody's ass. L.A. Knight, there's been rumors going around that L.A. Knight could be showing up at WrestleMania asking for something to happen, and then out comes Stone Cold Steve Austin for another impromptu match with L.A. Knight. That's also a potential surprise. We don't know. So we will see. But right now, as it stands, night two is less than night one. And they are missing something there to make it seven across the board. So we'll figure it out as the days go on, moving on to WrestleMania weekend. So I'm excited, man. Very excited. And we'll be live night one and night two, as you guys know, right here on the podcast. The late Tim White will be awarded the Warrior Award at the Hall of Fame on Friday night. After SmackDown, Tim White will take his place in the WWE Hall of Fame when he's inducted as part of the 2023 class. WWE announced on the bump that he will join Rey Mysterio, Stacey Keebler, the great Muda, and the late comedian Andy Kaufman as part of the 2023 class when he will receive the Warrior Award. White worked for WWE for several years. He started out helping Andre the Giant on the road in the 1980s which is all you need to know about why he's in the Hall of Fame. To make his life easier while traveling, becoming great friends with him, he was interviewed for Andre's HBO documentary a few years ago. White was also a referee for WWE before retiring due to a shoulder injury that he suffered inside Hell in a Cell in, 20, in 2022. Uh, 2002, I'm sorry. 2002 between Chris Jericho and Triple H. He later shifted to a road agent for WWE after that. 
He was beloved amongst many WWE talent and staff. He passed away in June 2022 at the age of 68 years old. Now, Kayla Braxton will be hosting the ceremony on Friday night following SmackDown, and the Hall of Fame will take place immediately after Friday night SmackDown uh, goes off the air on Peacock. Absolutely deserving award. Everybody was wondering why the Hall of Fame class was so light this year, and nobody really was talking about the Warrior Award. WWE made no mention of the Warrior Award. So we now got that news as Tim White will be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame as the Warrior Award recipient. Absolutely great news there, and he absolutely deserves it. Tim White was part of my childhood growing up, man. It was it was something that, you know, you got to know him by by his name and by, and by his face. He, obviously, Earl Hebner and Mike Chioda, all these guys. Danny Davis, I remember being a referee. Uh, all these guys, uh, these referees, man, such a vital part of the act as far as what WWE does on TV. Th- this should absolutely be more of... They're senior officials that have given their time and their life 20, 30 years to be a referee for WWE. We should see more of those people into the Hall of Fame. So it's nice to see Tim White go into the Hall of Fame this year. Rey Mysterio. He reveals a heartwarming text from Jim Ross following his announcement for the 2023 Hall of Fame. Now, JR obviously is one of the voices of AEW. He was also the head of talent relations for WWE between 1997 and 2004. Very successful time for the company, the big boom period, the big attitude era. JR was responsible for hiring talent, and following WWE's buyout of WCW, he also oversaw much of the WCW talent recruitment as well. Who to take and who to just kind of leave where they are. And Rey Mysterio was one of those notable ex-WCW guys that Jim Ross brought in uh, that really made JR stay there as successful as it was, man. One of the bigger names that JR had a hand in bringing into the WWE. Speaking on his latest Grilling JR podcast, Jim Ross would reveal that following Rey's induction announcement, he received a heartwarming text from Rey himself. Ross revealed the text as well as what led to him bringing Ray to WWE in 2002. He says, and I quote, I got a beautiful text from Ray after his Hall of Fame announcement, and it made me cry. And Jim Ross was also kind of in a somber mood because this was the month he was celebrating the anniversary of the passing of his wife, which he still obviously, you know, still he's never going to get over that. He said, it all started with you, which is pretty cool. You know, the old story about me negotiating with Ray was I brought him to TV and I think it was in Southern California. I met with him and I didn't hire him because he had a hell of a deal on one of those Turner contracts. He said he was still getting paid a lot of money, more than I was going to offer him. And I told him that because he needed to know the whole story. But I did tell him, I'm going to hire you. And if you want to come work for us, I can't pay you what you're earning today, but I can fully expect if you stay healthy, you're going to blow that number completely out of the water. And he did. I didn't lie to him. So when he said that to me, it brought tears to my eyes. You know, it all started with you because I believed in him. I'd never hire a talent his size under Vince McMahon's payroll, so I felt a win there. I got a win on that one. JR was so good at his job, man. You know, Jim Ross in that time... 
as head of talent relations and what he saw in talent, man. Obviously, Dwayne Johnson, you know, Brock Lesnar. The, the names go on and on for Jim Ross. Kurt Angle, who he brought into the company, man. I, I mean, has there been anybody better in WWE history for what he did as far as head of talent relations? Nobody will hold a candle to what Jim Ross did for WWE in that time period from 1997 to 2004. Nobody. Unbelievable what he did. He was such a vital part of the entire process there. And it, and it pained me when Vince McMahon would blatantly go out on TV to get his rocks off and, and kind of make fun of him and, and make fun of the Bell's palsy situation and make fun of the way he wore his cowboy hat and the fact that he wore a cowboy hat and made fun of the way he speaks. Jim Ross was such a beloved figure, man. Anything that kind of showed that type of disrespect to Jim Ross was always frowned upon, no matter who you are to me. So it's nice to see that people like Rey Mysterio still appreciate, even back in the time in 2002 when, you know, he was looking for a place to work, that he remembers who helped him get into the company and help him maintain a stay in WWE, and that all started with Jim Ross. Gotta love it. Ross would also discuss Ray's current WrestleMania angle with his son Dominic, reflecting on when Ray would bring a young Dominic with him to shows back in the early 2000s. Ross said, Ray is still at it and doing great and going into the Hall of Fame. His angle with his son is interesting. It's just hard to believe that kid is wrestling. When he hung around his dad, you know, all those years I was there, he was just a little fart and he came to work with dad. It's kind of cool. And look at where it's got him. He's invested in the family business and now he's going to be able to earn a good living doing it. Awesome. Just awesome, man. Very much looking forward to that match and seeing the story conclude at WrestleMania. If it does conclude, we don't really know. Uh, but uh, I'm interested to see where the next step in Ray Dominic is going to take us at WrestleMania. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. NXT. Now, we know they have Stand and Deliver on Saturday afternoon at 1 p.m., but uh, NXT and Shawn Michaels are getting ahead of the curve here. They announced NXT Battleground on the same night and at the same time as AEW Double or Nothing. Now, I don't know why they did this. Clearly, they did it on purpose. And NXT, nobody's going to be watching NXT Battleground over what I suspect is going to be one of the better double or nothings that we've seen 
in, in quite a few years, man. So NXT announced Battleground on the same night, May 28th, at the Sangus Center in Lowell, Massachusetts. The same night of AEW Double or Nothing. This means Battleground's going to take place the same night as AEW's signature pay-per-view. And one day after the WWE does King and Queen of the Ring in Saudi Arabia. So WWE's got King of the Ring, Queen of the Ring on Saturday afternoon. Then they got NXT uh, Battleground on May 28th the following night. And then at the same time, AEW will deliver Double or Nothing from the Staples, I believe it, with the uh, the T-Mobile Center, I believe it is, uh, in Las Vegas, Nevada, not the Staples Center. That's now the Crypto.com Arena in Los Angeles. Uh, uh, the T-Mobile, or the MGM Grand, one of those. I, I don't remember which one that they're going to be in, the bigger one, probably, uh, in Las Vegas. You know, it, it's probably, and I would, uh, I, I would actually ask this question, and I did not get a, a moment to get on the media call for Ring of Honor today with Tony Khan and the rest of the uh, (laughs) journalists. But I would absolutely ask Tony Khan if there's any thought in his mind to maybe kind of moving away from WWE purposely doing this to him because this is now blatant and purpose. that is being done on purpose that WWE does these shows the same night and the same time now as AEW pay-per-views. I mean, does AEW really need to do double or nothing on Memorial Day weekend? Does AEW really need to do all out on Labor Day weekend? In fact, it would probably be better for us wrestling fans who would love to travel for those shows as well. Now, I know there's something ingrained in Tony Khan's mind, and now WWE starting to do it that these places like Vegas and Chicago and all the the destination shows, right? I don't really see what's so destination about Chicago for Labor Day week. Who the fuck's visiting Chicago for Labor Day weekend? Who cares? Who's visiting Las Vegas in the middle of the summer for Memorial Day weekend, man? I mean, it's, it's just so fucking expensive. So if I'm Tony Khan, I would actually maybe think about moving these shows to a different weekend. Maybe doing it a weekend before or a weekend after. Maybe doing it in June. It would be better off for us. If you want to go to the show, you're going to go to the show. You know, people traveling for Memorial Day weekend aren't necessarily going to be traveling for Memorial Day weekend and then going to an AEW show. So it's probably in Tony Khan's best interest to do it the weekend after or the weekend before, to be quite honest with you. Plus, it would be easier on our wallets. Absolutely, WWE doing it on purpose, man. They are sick in the fucking head. Sick. Pat McAfee. Where's Pat McAfee? He's not on SmackDown. Everybody suspected that he would be wrestling at WrestleMania, and he's not wrestling at WrestleMania. One of the rumored matches would be be Pat McAfee versus LA Knight. That never materialized. There are no plans for Pat McAfee at WrestleMania. McAfee's WWE future's been up in the air now that Wade Barrett is on SmackDown. Nobody knows if he's going to come back to the commentary booth to sit alongside Michael Cole. His future's been up in the air after Wade Barrett stated in a recent interview that his role on SmackDown as color commentator, a previous role that McAfee had, was permanent for Wade Barrett. And we just got a $100 super chat. (laughs) 
$100 super chat by Nick. Nick motherfucking Williams. Thank you so much, brother. I know everybody's excited for this weekend, man. We got a lot going on. Nick Williams with the $100 bomb. Almost one year in the OTS venue. And what JD has taught me is that you never trust Vince McBitch. You exposed him to what he is. You always make me laugh on days I'm sad and I miss my late grandma. Thank you for the laughs, and I'm excited from Mania. Bojangles and pizza on me. Thank you, Nick Williams. Shout out to Nick Williams, man. Awesome, awesome, awesome. It's going to be a great weekend, and Nick Williams is getting the party started right here on OTS. So Wade Barrett says that his role as color commentator is permanent on SmackDown. Barrett had filled in for McAfee when... McAfee joined ESPN's college football game day program last fall with the idea that he would return after football season was over. McAfee returned for a one-off at the Royal Rumble in January, and everybody thought that McAfee would kind of slowly integrate himself back into the WWE program. McAfee recently posted on Twitter that he has massive plans for his journey to the WWE Hall of Fame someday. Well, you're going to need to be on TV for that to happen, bro. But also is noted that a potential WWE sale may impact his future with the company. So he's worried about who's going to end up buying the WWE, which I have news on as well today. Uh, is he worried that the WWE potentially is going to be sold to the Saudis and he doesn't want to work with the Saudis or the people that are in charge of his show are blatantly and obviously against working with the Saudis? I don't know. I don't know. He's worried about something. Pat McAfee is certainly worried about something. While appearing on the March End and Our End sports media podcast, I never heard this at all. Nick Khan's been all over the place. Nick Khan noted that there are no plans for Pat McAfee at WrestleMania. Nick Khan, man, says this, and I quote, We have no plans to have him there this weekend. The world is his oyster. He's 36 years old, and the look at his relevancy factor, when you talk to young children, I have two young children. When I talk to them, it's often McAfee, McAfee, McAfee. That's what's in the wheelhouse for them. So if you look at any of our traditional buyers, what do they want? They want a young, diverse audience. What does McAfee bring? He brings a young relationship. He, he becomes the go-to home of Aaron Rodgers. You see with more athletes and Pat, He's not looking to annihilate anybody or crucify them. He's looking to have good content, and his content has been terrific. So he'll determine, ultimately, where he wants his home to be, and our hope is that he does more with us. McAfee recently just announced that he will be returning as part of College Game Day next season in September. Pat McAfee is certainly somebody that brought a lot of energy to the WWE broadcast. I actually loved what he did with Michael Cole. Uh, He was also very good at what he did in the ring. Uh, Logan Paul is obviously the benchmark for uh, top-tier celebrities coming on into WWE. But Pat McAfee was also somebody that went in there and got the job done, man. He had a great match with Adam Cole on NXT. Most of you guys don't even remember that. He had a decent match with uh, Austin Theory at WrestleMania. Uh, It was shorter than the Adam Cole match. It was uh, a little bit less involved as well. It wasn't really much of a story or anything. Then Vince McMahon got involved because Vince McMahon needed to have his WrestleMania moment. Then Austin came out and stunned everybody. But McAfee is very good at what he does, man. I'd love to see Pat McAfee back. But 
if he's got a lot of other shit going on, he's got a child on the way, he doesn't have time for WWE. So it's a non-issue right now. It's a non-factor right now. He will be, this is somebody that the WWE will keep their doors wide open for no matter what. Look at his audience. He's on YouTube live every day in front of 50,000 people and growing. He's got one of the biggest podcasts in the entire world. WWE will obviously continue to tap in and want to tap into Pat McAfee. He's going nowhere. If he's got time free, he's going to be there. If their schedule's lined up, he's going to be there. No doubt about it. Wade Barrett, and, and, and additional, let's not take away anything from Wade Barrett. Wade Barrett's done a fantastic job on Friday night. He fits in very well on SmackDown with Michael Cole. I prefer Pat McAfee. But again, let's not take anything away from Wade Barrett, man. He comes prepared. He knows the product. He's enthusiastic. He's great. And he does a great job. So let's not take anything away from him because we want Pat McAfee back on the show. Speaking of celebrities, Logan Paul has a contract coming up and it expires at WrestleMania. Now, although WWE touted signing Logan Paul to a multi-year deal last June, clearly this won't be a multi-year deal if... It's already up at WrestleMania. It's not even a year yet, and his contract is up. The YouTuber is now claiming different. When he first signed with the company, it was reported that the deal called for him to work an undisclosed number of premium live events in 2022 and 2023. He made his in-ring debut in 2022 when teaming with The Miz to take on the Mysterios at WrestleMania 38, and they lost before Paul beat The Miz at SummerSlam later that year. Paul would later go on and wrestle Roman Reigns for the Undisputed Championship at Crown Jewel in Saudi Arabia in an unbelievable match in a losing effort. His most recent match was at the Royal Rumble. He was a part of the 30-man Royal Rumble match where he eliminated Seth Rollins' leading way to their WrestleMania match on Saturday night for night one. He was on his impulsive podcast, and Logan Paul said his contract with WWE is up at WrestleMania 39. That's it for him. It's so crazy. It's like the epitome of everything I was doing my entire life, for sure. Sure, I want to lean into it. My contract ends this WrestleMania. My rookie year is about to be up. It was a good rookie year. Now, I don't know why it was announced that he was signed to a multi-year deal, only for him to come on here and say, that's it. Unless he's ribbing everybody, and he's actually really hurt, because he did get hurt, supposedly, in the match with Roman Reigns in Saudi Arabia. He did make it back for the Royal Rumble. He rehabilitated enough to make it in the Royal Rumble and rehabilitated enough to make it to WrestleMania here with Seth Rollins. Maybe he's taking time off to lick his wounds and heal his injuries stemming from the Roman Reigns match in Saudi Arabia. I I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he realizes that this is a lot harder than I anticipated it being. I got other things I want to do, and I can't do it if I'm going to need surgery for this and surgery for that, and I'm risking my fucking health in there. You know, he he doesn't wrestle in the most safest way. Logan Paul's the type of guy that's going to go out there and fucking give you a 1,000% in there, and he doesn't give a shit what he does as long as he goes viral, as as long as he's the person that people are talking about at the end of the night. That's what he's about. Maybe he realizes that. You know, he can't keep this up for too long on top of whatever else he's got going on. I don't know. Is there anybody else that you really want to see Logan Paul in the ring with? I I could think of maybe one more, and his name is John Cena. 
which he's automatically going to be placed in a match with if he continues to want to do this because it was supposed to happen at WrestleMania. They, they shifted to Seth Rollins. John Cena is up for it. Logan Paul wants it. Logan Paul's birthday is actually on Saturday. He actually requested John Cena at WrestleMania. He's already went to Triple H about it and talked about it. Now the rumor is that it may happen at SummerSlam in Detroit, Cena and Logan Paul. I do expect that match to happen, and they'll probably throw major money at Logan Paul. WWE's probably going to offer Logan Paul major money to sign another year contract, and he's going to make more money than he did the first time if he wants to continue doing this. I don't know how many people look at Logan Paul as somebody that they want on the show. I know Logan Paul is a very polarizing figure. I think WWE utilized him in a very good way. They haven't overexposed him. They haven't put him on the show and made him the, the, the top draw, the top dog on the show. He fits nicely. He's a nice compliment. He's got a great style that compliments somebody like Seth Rollins. He had a great match with Roman Reigns. I'd love to see him in the ring against John Cena, two megastars, right? But then on the other end, you got Logan Paul, who's a YouTuber, and you got people like Seth Rollins, who I do believe feels what he says. You know, he comes into my realm and he comes into my business and doesn't give a shit about it. Becky Lynch said the same thing about Logan Paul. I didn't know who the fuck he was before he got here. And I don't want people like that here because they're only here for themselves. They're not here for the the business. They don't love the business. They're here to just get their rocks off and get notoriety and go viral for themselves. So I understand there's two groups of people when, when it comes to Logan Paul. People who love what he does, fans of Logan Paul, and then there are people who want him gone because he's not really a pro wrestler. But you can't take the fucking guy's talent away. What he's done so far has been tremendous. Tremendous. In so many circles, he's already won Rookie of the Year for 2022. I mean, is it enough to win Rookie of the Year? Is he somebody that should be in contention for a Rookie of the Year when he's not really on TV every single week? And he only shows up for a Rumble and a Mania and a Saudi show, right? But the body of work that he's given us speaks for itself, and it speaks very loudly. So I don't know. I don't know. We will, uh, we will figure that out. But Logan Paul, as far as what he's got going on, he's done after WrestleMania. Triple H, he is very confident that he will be signing a major free agent. He was actually looking at signing two Major free agents. Triple H is more confident in signing Jay White. And Kota Ibushi, not so confident in bringing in Kota Ibushi. WWE has long been interested in both Kota Ibushi and Jay White and wants to secure them for WWE contracts. Give Me Sport and Wrestle Votes has learned that WWE is unlikely to secure Kota Ibushi. Give Me Sport reported that WWE's creative team has already been tasked with coming up for ideas with Jay White should he debut for WWE. Now, WrestleVotes has explained that Triple H is confident in signing Jay White. The feeling is that the longer he doesn't show up on AEW Dynamite, the more likely he is to sign for WWE. Now, WrestleVotes says this on social media, and I quote, I heard recently from a source that the longer Jay White doesn't show up in Jacksonville, the more confident Triple H is signing Jay White. 
The feeling is also that White has made up his mind already with his decision to be made clear very soon. He could show up at WrestleMania for all we know. The same optimism has not been felt in regards to Kota Ibushi, who is now unlikely to sign with WWE. Wrestle Votes also tells Give Me Sport that the feeling is that Ibushi does not want a full-time contract, whether it be with WWE or AEW. He's worked as a freelancer for most of his New Japan runs, so I would assume he continues to do the same thing. The chances are WWE will be welcoming Jay White, but not Kota Ibushi, although there is always a chance that Jay White could end up going to AEW. I know I'm not the only one that feels this way in regards to Jay White. I don't think Jay White going to AEW is a good move. I don't. Now, clearly, he has ties to the Bullet Club there, and clearly Adam Cole is back. He's got ties to Adam Cole. He's got ties to Juice Robinson. He's got ties to the Elite and Kenny Omega and all those guys. Great. But what I'm concerned about and what I and a lot of people find to be an issue in AEW is if somebody like Jay White, who is a absolute fucking stud at what he does, if someone like that goes to AEW, where exactly is he going to fit on the card? Where is Jay White going to fit? Does he fit better in AEW or does he fit better in WWE? Let's, let's go over it. MJF is your world champion. Jay White should come into any promotion that he's interested in and automatically be at the top of the fucking card wrestling for a world championship. He should be in contention for a world championship. We're already in March 2023. MJF is not losing the world championship for the entire year. It's already mapped out. MJF is not losing that world championship for the entire year. So Jay White is not going to be going for a world championship and he's going to be floating around kind of underneath that on AEW Dynamite. Now, the other championships include Orange Cassidy and the International Championship. Then you got the TNT title that is held by Will Hobbs. You got a babyface holding one. You got a heel holding the other. Is Jay White going to be delegated or relegated to challenge for the International Championship? Could he get the Bullet Club back together in AEW and go after the Trios Championships? All of this seems very, very mid for someone like Jay White. Now, if he goes to WWE, he's got Bullet Club ties over there. He's got Bullet Club ties in AEW, but he's also got Bullet Club ties in WWE as well. And you know, for a fact, Triple H would love to tap in to something Bullet Club in WWE and really make it stand out on television. Jay White could show up at the end of WrestleMania for all we know, and we can get the next major storyline arc in WWE with an invasion coming to WWE. For all we know, Jay White could be the one to ruin Cody Rhodes' chances of winning the world championships, and we get that feud started on WWE television, and that's the obstacle that Cody Rhodes has to overcome on WWE television. He can align himself with AJ Styles. He can align himself with Gallows and Anderson. We could be looking at a major international takeover in WWE if they play their cards right. This is what they wanted with the elite coming in. He got somebody just as good in Jay White coming in. Imagine he comes in and there's a Bullet Club takeover in WWE. Jay White could fit on Monday Night Raw. 
He could fit on SmackDown, especially if Roman loses the championships, which is now a little bit more likely than MJF losing the championships. Jay White could fit on Monday Night Raw, put him in a feud with Cody, put him in a feud with Randy Orton coming back, put him in a feud with Edge. I mean, there's just so much for Jay White to do on WWE television. And you know Triple H is going to make him an absolute standout, top-tier level performer. And he's going to get top billing in WWE. I'm not so confident that he'd get top billing in AEW. He'd probably fall through the cracks and end up on fucking dark, just like Swerve and Keith Lee have, and everybody else that ends up signing over there because Tony Khan's got so much talent, he doesn't know what to do with them. A lot of people want Jay White to go to AEW because it still gives him the option to work New Japan and he fits better with their style and their mentality over there. But why did he go and wrestle a Loser Leaves New Japan match only to go to AEW whose international partner is New Japan? So why would he go and do that if he's only going to turn around and go wrestle for New Japan again or have the option to wrestle for New Japan again? If you want to really keep to that and go elsewhere, you're going to go WWE and not have anything New Japan on your resume for the time being. I don't know. You got Finn Balor. And listen, you got you got Judgment Day. Finn Balor's got ties to the Bullet Club. I, I mean, the, the amount of shit that you could do with Jay White on WWE television is fucking tremendous. It's absolutely tremendous. Now, I don't know when he shows up. Does he show up at Mania? Is he one of the big surprises that WWE is hyping up for this weekend? Do they save someone like that for the Raw after Mania when they got that hot crowd in the Crypto.com arena? I mean, he fits like a glove for the Raw After Mania surprise. Everybody's going to know who he is. That's the smartest fucking crowd that you'll see in a WWE arena all year. They'll know exactly who Jay White is. It's going to be a very interesting topic, man. It's a big topic of discussion right now. And if you're asking me, AEW or WWE, I'm putting Jay White on WWE programming, believe it or not. Nick Khan. Nick Khan on Vince McMahon being in creative and Nick Khan talking about premium live events going back to the old model of WWE pay-per-view, meaning that you and I potentially in the future will be paying 50, 60, upwards towards $70 for WWE premium live events. Now, Nick Khan has been all over the place. Nick Khan has been lying all over the place this WrestleMania week. And ahead of a huge weekend in Los Angeles for WrestleMania 39 and the industry shaping moves that WWE has planned for the months ahead, WWE CEO Nick Khan joins the Marshand and Hourand sports media podcast ranging a variety of discussions that were brought up on this show. First, Vince McMahon is focusing on a potential sale of the company. Nick Khan talked about the way, the other way, WWE plans to maximize shareholder value over the next couple of years. With their next round of media rights contracts obviously coming up, that process starts somewhere around this weekend. Existing partners in Fox and NBC Universal will be getting exclusive negotiating windows 
the first bite at the apple, per se, says Nick Khan, as Fox and NBCU will be the first two to place bids on if they want WWE on their networks or not. So that's what's going on there. And Vince is facilitating that for WWE because he interjected himself coming back saying that no matter what happens, he's going to be the one leading these, these, these discussions with Fox and NBC and obviously facilitating a sale of the company. Is Fox going to be interested in keeping WWE on their network? Is NBC Universal going to be interested in keeping WWE on their network? I know they are both very pleased with how things have transpired with Vince not being there, per se, and Triple H in charge. How upset are they that Stephanie McMahon... Got up and walked away. Stephanie McMahon got up and quit. And you know the reason why she quit. You can listen to any other podcast that will show you a bullshit excuse or listen to Nick Khan about, oh, she had, you know, time off. She had time off for leave and all this other shit. She left because she knew exactly what her father was going to do. And he's doing it. And she wanted no part of it. Is Fox going to want? WWE programming. I believe they don't want to work with Vince McMahon in any creative capacity. Neither does NBCU. So it's going to be interesting to see if they do bite and how Vince McMahon is going to be involved and how heavy he's going to be involved with these negotiations. The host asked Khan how much more he expects the rights deals to be worth this time around. WWE is getting $1 billion from Fox and $1 billion from NBCU, they're making $2 billion just on TV rights deals for WWE. Now, their ratings have been up since Triple H took over creatively, at least in title anyway. SmackDown ratings have been so much better than they were under Vince McMahon, and there's no doubting that. They're trending towards a 2-3, 2-4, upwards towards a 2-5, 2-6 on great weeks. Monday Night Raw has been kind of stagnant as of late. But SmackDown under Vince McMahon was doing 1-8, 1-9. Now WWE's up to 2-3, 2-4. Like I said, on great weeks, 2-5, 2-6. Monday Night Raw, when Triple H took over, we were getting 2-1, 2-2 on Monday Night Raw. And we haven't seen numbers on Monday Night Raw like that in many years. Now they're back down to a 1-7, 1-8. Because everybody feels the same way that I do. Vince McMahon is heavy-handed in WWE Creative, and Vince McMahon's DNA is all over these shows, whether you want to admit it or not. That's just the fact. So he expects a lot as far as monetary value for the WWE product. He asked them for their estimates. And one of the hosts said twice the current multi-billion dollar deals. They think WWE will get more than twice the amount that they got Five years ago. I mean, I can't see it, but the price of live sports entertainment that is live every week, that doesn't run reruns, that Fox and NBCU can rely on to give them fresh programming in down months when things are taped or they're running reruns for other shows. They got WWE to rely on there. And WWE is now worth $90 a share, $91 a share. They are hotter. There is more interest in the product. They are on fire right now than any other time in the last 10 to 15 years. They are hot. 
Is Fox and NBCU going to want to be a part of that? And are they going to deem them worth twice as much as they are now? I don't know. But I don't expect anything less from Nick Khan, who's going to be a shark. I don't expect anything less from Vince McMahon, who's a money-hungry shark himself, to go out and get the best deal possible. The numbers speak for themselves. WWE is better than they are now than they were five years ago when they negotiated with Fox and NBC and got $1 billion. They may get double. They may get $2 billion for Fox and $2 billion for NBC. I don't know. I'm not going to put it past them. The numbers speak for themselves. Another piece of the media rights puzzle is the streaming network, Peacock, Streaming WWE Network, which is currently licensed to NBC Universal's Peacock service here in the United States. Khan says Peacock execs credit WWE for a substantial chunk of the streamer's 20 million subscribers as the stickiness of WWE content leads viewers to discover other programming on Peacock. Now, I'm actually a part of that. I actually do agree with him there. The stickiness of WWE leads viewers to discover other shit on Peacock, other programming on Peacock. If WWE wasn't on Peacock, Peacock would not be one of the streaming services that I'm subscribed to. I have Hulu. I have Netflix. I have HBO Max. I have Disney Plus. I have Amazon Prime. And I got Peacock. And all of these, I don't watch half of them. There are some I watch more than others. But Peacock would not be one of those that I'm subscribed to. The only reason why I'm subscribed to Peacock is because of the WWE Network. And because the WWE Network is on there, I end up watching WWE programming on there. And I I end up browsing the WWE Network. And then I end up browsing whatever else Peacock has. And I'm like, oh, shit. Third Rock from the Sun is on there. I love that show. It's one of my favorite shows of all time. I just recently watched, because I haven't watched it before, when it was in theaters, Knock at the Cabin with Batista is on there as well, and I never seen that either. So I watched that the other night, and I enjoyed myself. I mean, it was an M. Night Shyamalan movie that, you know, makes you think about some world apocalyptic scenario. So I watched that with a couple of drinks and a couple of snacks. I enjoyed myself. I didn't know that was on there. I was like, oh shit, Dave Batista's in this movie. I wanted to watch that movie. It's on Peacock. I'm only on Peacock because I'm watching WWE Network. So I do, I do agree with Nick Khan in that, that the stickiness of WWE content leads viewers to discover other programming on Peacock because I am a testament to that. He said WWE would be open to moving premium live events to a pay-per-view model similar to how marquee UFC cards on offered uh, are offered on uh, ESPN Plus, offering a hypothetical that if Peacock offered five times their current right fees but wanted to sell premium live events at an upcharge to justify, WWE would absolutely listen. Khan did say... WWE doesn't want to price fans out of the product. He cited the availability of $25 tickets for WrestleMania as an example of their desire to make sure everyone can afford to be a part of the WWE experience. Now, Nick Khan 
talking about potentially WWE going to a premium live event model similar to what ESPN does for UFC. Those shows are not fucking cheap, man. They are not cheap at all. So he's talking about WWE going the ESPN plus UFC model for premium live events, which means that you and I potentially, and they are willing to listen, he said, you and I potentially could be spending $50, $60, $70 plus upwards for a WWE premium live event. This is a bad move. This is a bad move. I know WWE wants to make money. They make money in every other avenue that they can. Why do they need to mess with that? First of all, you've already conditioned your fans to spend $9.99 to sign up for Peacock, and then you want to upcharge pay-per-views $50, $60, Secondly, if WWE goes and does this, their TV is going to have to get exponentially, and I mean they need to up the quality big time for their build. No more skimping, no more being lazy, no more taking the cheap way out for building pay-per-views. I'm not talking about a Royal Rumble. I'm not talking about a WrestleMania. I'm not talking about a SummerSlam, which we know WWE kind of does a decent job with, but they don't go in all the way. I'm talking about the B-level pay-per-views, like your Backlash and your you know Saudi shows that don't really offer much of anything as far as build. They just put mega matches on there because the fucking Prince wants mega matches on there. Your TLCs and your fucking Clash at the Castles or whatever else they got going on. Those B-level pay-per-views are going to need some major, major quality improvements for the pay-per-view build to justify the $70 price tag that he wants to charge fans to watch these shows. Why would you go and do that? WWE Premium Live Event being charged for $60, $70 is a way of the past. It's a thing of the past. Why would you want to do that to people? After conditioning them so much to pay $9.99 for this and $9.99 for that, the UFC can get away with that because the UFC does quality. And WWE, I don't think, is on the same quality of the UFC. They don't have weekly fucking television. They just throw matches on there to, you know, offset the $70 price tag. WWE's got to build Raw, build SmackDown, build all their weekly shows to even warrant you reaching into your wallet to pay $70 for a fucking pay-per-view. It's not going to happen that easily. I don't really understand the mentality behind that. I think that's a terrible move. I think that's a terrible move. I wouldn't even do the $30, $40, $29.99, $39.99. No, the quality is still at that price point, going to have to go up, and the quality of the TV shows are going to have to be better than they are now to justify adding another $30 on top of what you're paying now, $9.99 for Peacock that you're currently paying right now. Not a good move. Not a good move at all. He talked about Vince McMahon and the role of Vince McMahon, including the persistent talk of him reassuming Control in creative. Now, Tony Khan, uh, Tony Khan. No, we're not talking about Tony Khan here. Tony Khan uh, is, he's got, he's got his own problems. Nick Khan said that Vince McMahon is not that involved. I, I, I'm sorry, what? Nick Khan said Vince McMahon is not that involved. Now, why did he word it that way? If he's not that involved, that means that he's involved. He's involved, but he's not that involved. Now, if he was not involved at all, Nick Khan would have said, 
Vince McMahon is not involved at all in the creative. The way he words things, it's almost as if they want you to know that Vince McMahon is back in some way, shape, or form, which we all know he is. We all know that he is. If you don't think that Vince McMahon is back in charge, you're a fool. Paul Levesque is head of creative. He was named as head of creative back in August. Vince has embraced that. He respects that. It's also his son-in-law. So they have their own dynamic. How notable is it that he didn't say Vince isn't involved at all? How much does it matter that it's a father and son-in-law dynamic? Does it matter at all? Did it matter? Did it matter? You know, this is where this is what pisses me the fuck off. If Nick Khan, if Nick Khan wanted people to know that Vince McMahon was not in charge, he would have said, Vince is not in charge. But he went on this podcast and said, Vince is not that involved. I'm sorry, if he's not involved, why didn't you just say so? How notable is it that he did not say Vince isn't involved at all? How much of a cover-up is the father and son-in-law dynamic? Because that's all it is. It's a cover-up. Why does that dynamic matter? Does Nick Khan not know that Vince McMahon absolutely destroyed Triple H's NXT. Purposely. Vehemently. With intent to wipe him out. Why does that dynamic matter now? We don't know what that man's capable of. We don't know the inner workings of Vince McMahon based off prior history and his behavioral patterns. What a fucking liar. An absolute liar. This is the CEO of the company lying to you. Watching, listening, hearing, reading. Not involved. Not that involved. What? I'm sorry. Do we need to go back to Monday Night Raw back in August? Do we need to go back to Raw back in September as... We were leading into Clash at the Castle. There is nobody that can refute me when mentioning that Raw then felt different than the Raw we're getting now. Creative things have happened. Things have happened over and over and over again on TV that just lend themselves to be Vince McMahon-isms. Shit that wasn't being done back in September is now being done. Why? You mean, to me, you mean to tell me Triple H all of a sudden, yeah, Vince's way is right. No, it's because Vince McMahon is back there. He's a ghost, but he's back there. And he's got his own office, but he's back there. He's sitting gorilla. People are saying he's not doing anything, but he's back there. Then you got Bruce Pritchard saying that, oh, yeah, it was just thank you. Great show. I'm proud of you guys. Bullshit. Because Bruce Pritchard's somebody that we're going to put our hopes and trust in, right? The guy who doesn't give a flying fuck about anybody but himself. Bruce Pritchard, right? The guy that is second in command to Vince McMahon. The most loyal, 
trusted soldier of Vince McMahon's army is Bruce Pritchard. Underneath him, Kevin Dunn. They are still there. So if Vince McMahon is there or not, Bruce Pritchard is operating on behalf of Vince McMahon. If Vince is not there, Vince is in Bruce's ear telling Bruce what needs to be done because Bruce is still an integral part of the program. What don't you understand? It's not that involved. There's many ways Vince McMahon can be involved without being that involved. He can be involved without even being there and picking up the phone and calling Bruce Pritchard. He doesn't need to physically be there because then at that point, his cover will be blown. Nick Khan was interviewed by Stephen A. Smith. Get this one. Nick Khan was interviewed by Stephen A. Smith and he said this in regards to Vince McMahon. Before Khan answered any of Smith's questions about why he opted to take the role he has with WWE, he stated that there's only one person who actually runs WWE, and that is Vince McMahon. Again, he goes on this other podcast and says that Vince is not that involved. Then he's interviewed by Stephen A. Smith. And he says there's only one person who actually runs WWE, one person who runs it all, and that's including creative. He didn't say that, but that's exactly what he's insinuating. One person that actually runs WWE, and that is Vince McMahon. If Vince McMahon was back to merely sell the company, Nick Khan would have said so. But he opted to go and tell you a little piece of their inner secrets without actually divulging all the information for you to make it blatant that Vince McMahon is there. Do you believe this guy? This is the shit that pisses me off. This is the shit that pisses me off. Could have been worded so much differently, but he opted to tell Stephen A. Smith, there's only one person that actually runs WWE, and that's Vince McMahon. I mean, there's so many different departments in WWE. Vince was doing it all beforehand. So what are you actually telling me? That everything that Vince used to do in the past, before he retired, Vince is still doing now? He spoke with Colin Cowherd, Nick Khan, all over the place, three different fucking podcasts. Said WWE employs 50 to 75 writers and produces to help creative, which is led by Triple H and Bruce Pritchard. It's the first time we're hearing about Bruce Pritchard being a part of the creative team. When, how far in advance, when asked how far in advance they have plans laid out for WrestleMania, Nick Khan replied months in advance. Months, months, months in advance. Yeah, maybe now. Maybe for this year's WrestleMania. Maybe they had months in advance planned Because Triple H took over in September or August, whenever, and he said, guys, we need to get on the WrestleMania boat right now. I want to start planning a roadmap for what we're going to do going into WrestleMania. That was probably one of his first things when he sat down with the fucking creative team when he he took over. 
But the WWE have months and months and months and months of advanced storylines leading into a Vince McMahon WrestleMania? No. No fucking way. Again, a liar. You know, he wants to make WWE sound so far ahead of the game that he will go on a major platform and lie through the skin of his fucking teeth to make WWE look as good as ever. Meanwhile, we all know these are platforms. I said this once before about ESPN and and, and sites like ESPN. I mentioned Justin Barrasso and Sports Illustrated. They had Justin Barrasso print an article that WWE needed to get out there to the public to fan the flames of Vince McMahon being back in Gorilla wearing a headset the night that John Cena was there in Boston. They had... Sports Illustrated go and say that Vince is definitely not a part of creative. Sites like that will bend over backwards for WWE because WWE pays them well and WWE is in bed with these fucking sites. Or they are in bed with WWE. So, you know, there is a partnership there and whatever needs to be said, they get out there and they throw it to the general public. And if you read something like Sports Illustrated, oh, Sports Illustrated can't be lying. That's what WWE uses them for. He goes on ESPN to make himself seem so great and Vince so great and the career process so great. Of course ESPN. If, if, if it's coming from ESPN, then how can anybody... Oh, ESPN said it. It was on ESPN. It's got to be reputable. No, WWE uses these shows to, to make themselves look better and to fan the rumors of a potential fucking Vince McMahon takeover. Because they don't want you to. They want you to know, but they don't want you to know. That's the thing. They want you to know just a little bit. They'll tease you with it. They'll throw it in your face, but they don't really want you to know. Months in advance? Doubt it. Maybe now with Triple H, but Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard were never working months in advance. Never. The fuck are you talking about? WrestleMania, WrestleMania wouldn't start. WrestleMania season wouldn't start, you know, presumably at the Royal Rumble. You got your Royal Rumble winners. But after that, WWE is back and forth on creative plans through February. I mean, we wouldn't see any any building of a WrestleMania card until early March. Four weeks is what they leave themselves for WrestleMania. They don't know what the fuck they want to do, especially with Vince McMahon in charge. When has WWE ever had months and months and months and months of advanced storylines? What the fuck is he talking about? Complete liar. This man is a complete bullshit artist. If you said now, where is the creative team with their process? There are months ahead of WrestleMania. Obviously, a huge focus on Saturday and Sunday to make sure that we can execute what the plan is. But they're months ahead, and they know that's the way it should be because 52 weeks a year, three to four programs a week, if you're not months ahead, you're not going to get caught. Bullshit. As he has before, Khan sought to put McMahon's brief retirements and the sandal on uh, the sandals, the sandals, he, he did that. He should have sandals on, uh, on a fucking beach somewhere far away from Titan Tower. Khan sought to put McMahon's brief retirement and the scandals that led to it as strictly a business matter and one that's in the past, the CEO himself credited shareholders and company employees for staying calm since that story broke last year and wrapped up his remarks on the topic by saying, fortunately, we're on the other side of it. Oh, yeah? 
because Vince threw money at it, and he thinks throwing money at it is going to solve all the problems that Vince McMahon has. Now he thinks he can get back to work and take over what he once lost. On the possibility of Roman Reigns following Dwayne Johnson, John Cena, and Dave Bautista in Hollywood, Nick Khan said he thinks Reigns can make that leap. WWE would support such a move and hinted that the conversations about it are currently taking place. He expects Roman to remain a part of the WWE as he explores movie and television options currently. So Roman is absolutely going to be the next Hollywood guy. I mean, you look at Roman and you would already think he's a Hollywood guy, but he's going to get there and he's going to follow in the footsteps of John Cena and Batista anyway for the time being when he's done with WWE. No doubt about it. So Nick Khan is a liar. And we all know he's a liar. Everything that comes out of Nick Khan's mouth is something that should not be believed at all. He's only there to take a paycheck and make Vince McMahon look good. That's why he was hired. Vince McMahon, though, however, will be at WrestleMania this weekend. Now, for all the fucking people out there that are already telling me, oh, well, why are you so upset about Vince McMahon being at WrestleMania? He created it, man. He should he, he, he should be there. I'm not complaining about Vince McMahon being at WrestleMania. If anything, I expected him to be there. Vince McMahon created WrestleMania. It is his baby. I knew he was going to be at WrestleMania. But then, don't go and tell me that Vince McMahon is only back to sell the company and facilitate a sale of the company. Then I come to read... He's in Gorilla wearing a headset. He's got his name on the office door in the back that presumably only goes to a production uh, area in, in the backstage area. Bullshit. If he's only back to sell the company, don't tell me that he's only back to sell the company. Then I read he's back in creative. He's booking this. He's had a say in this. He's sitting in Gorilla. Triple H and Vince talk about creative. Don't tell me this shit. Don't report on it. I don't know who leaks it, who's giving Meltzer and all these people, all this info. If Vince is only back to sell the company, then Vince should be back only to sell the company. That's what I'm upset about. The blatant lying that WWE has done to to everybody, and it just gets swept under the rug. Now, I expected him to be backstage at WrestleMania. Why wouldn't he be? Why wouldn't he be? Not only did he create the show, we're going on 40 years of WrestleMania. Why the fuck wouldn't he be there? This is going to be the biggest WrestleMania of all time. Why wouldn't he be there? It's one of the biggest main events that WWE's put on at Mania in, in mo- years. Years. Months of build with this fucking bloodline. Why wouldn't he be there to see it play out? Of course he's going to be there. But we also know he's a part of creative. We also know that Vince McMahon has been heavy-handed in creative. He's had a lot to do with this show, creatively. If you don't think Vince McMahon has some say, maybe more say than we are told about Cody Rhodes and Roman Reigns, then you're a fool. This Roman Reigns is a Vince McMahon project. The bloodline is a Vince McMahon thing. The bloodline and the birth of the bloodline was on Vince McMahon's watch. You don't think that Vince McMahon is going to see this thing through? Vince McMahon put the titles on Roman Reigns and had no fucking plan for when Roman Reigns was going to drop the titles. You don't think Vince McMahon's going to want to see 
Roman Reigns potentially win or lose the championships at WrestleMania in the biggest match that Reigns has had in his entire run? You don't think Vince McMahon wants to be there to see Cody Rhodes? Somebody that they took from a rival promotion. You don't think Vince McMahon wants to see Cody Rhodes at WrestleMania in the main event when Vince McMahon already had ideas in his mind to book Cody and Roman at WrestleMania? That this was being talked about when Vince was still in charge? Of course he's going to be there. You don't think Vince wants to see his Brock lesnar Omos match play out from Gorilla? Because we all know he booked that match. That's not a Triple H match. I said this for months. Months since the match was announced. Even hinted at. Brock Lesnar and Omos is a Vince McMahon match. Triple H would never book that match for WrestleMania. Triple H didn't even bother with Omos on Raw. All of a sudden, we start seeing Omos pop up on weekly television. It's not a Triple H thing. When Triple H took over, Omos was gone. He was as good as fired. All of a sudden, we see Omos on television. I'm sorry, where did that come from? Brock Lesnar was only told to do Omos because Vince McMahon wanted it to happen. He didn't want to work with Bray Wyatt, so Vince McMahon stepped in and booked this match. Speaking of Bray Wyatt, Bobby Lashley and Bray Wyatt, that was also a Vince McMahon idea. I don't need sap. I don't need sources. I don't need backstage intel on that. That was a Vince McMahon idea. The downfall of Bray Wyatt is a Vince McMahon creative idea. Where we went from Wyatt in October to where we see now, there's nobody that will convince me that Vince McMahon has not been involved in Bray Wyatt's creative. Stemming from the Mountain Dew Pitch Black match at Royal Rumble. No doubt about it. Then we got Lita and Trish. The only two Hall of Famers on the show, Triple H went into the Royal Rumble wanting to avoid putting people like Trish Stratus and Lita in the Royal Rumble because he wanted to use returns and current NXT talent to fill the Royal Rumble, current main roster talent, instead of dipping into the legends pool that Vince McMahon was known to do. Then we come to find out that Lita is a tag team champion. Trish Stratus is back on TV and reportedly going to have a major a major role going into SummerSlam. You don't, you, don't, you don't think that Vince McMahon called up Lita and Trish and said, Ah, ladies, I need you for WrestleMania. Of course he did. Triple H wouldn't be booking Lita. Lita as tag team champion? I'm sorry. And if Vince is not behind it, Vince just went through Bruce, and Bruce shot it through creative. On behalf of Vince. But that's not a Triple H idea. That's no way a Triple H idea. So these things have materialized, and these are Vince McMahon-isms that are happening at WrestleMania. So he is involved at WrestleMania. That's not the problem. Of course he's going to be there. He's booked shit on the show. That is as clear as day. And it's also his show. Did you expect Vince McMahon to be in WWE while alive and not be a WrestleMania? This man, if he's still alive and cannot walk anymore and is nearing fucking 97, 98, they'll wheel him into WrestleMania. We'll be at WrestleMania 60 and they'll be wheeling him in in wheelchairs. Give me a fucking break. PW Insider reports that multiple sources have told them that McMahon will 100% be there. 
It was not said if Vince McMahon plans to appear on camera, knowing him he will. If he does appear, then it could be his last Manny appearance as owner of the company. It's going to be another interesting uh, tidbit there. Nick Khan has indicated that there are multiple potential buyers for WWE and that McMahon is open to stepping down if that's what the new buyer wants. That's the only way I will accept a new buyer for WWE. That's the one thing that should be at the top of the list. You're interested in WWE. What conditions do you want? I don't want him here. Get him out. Again, just because Vince McMahon will be there this weekend doesn't mean he will be on the show. Anything is possible. For what it's worth, there are more WWE sources who confirmed to sites like Fightful that there are more red flags behind the scenes that indicate McMahon has been more involved in the creative end of things. So Vince McMahon is going to be at WrestleMania, and and Vince McMahon is somebody that has taken some of the creative reins from Triple H for this particular show. That much we know. Now, there are red flags. There are red flags for talent that Vince McMahon is more back than being reported. I'll get to that in a second. This is coming from Fightful. CNBC analysts said that Comcast is out of a potential WWE sale. Fightful had spoken to sources at Comcast with knowledge of the product. It was widely accepted that even though Comcast, via USA Network and NBC, have had a long relationship with Vince McMahon, that there would be no desire from their end to keep him involved in the company. So there you go. So we, we now have it confirmed. You know, before it was a situation where we were discussing, well, why isn't Comcast involved in the WWE contract talks? People were like, oh, they want to merge it with Discovery+. Plus." Now, that could have been a viable reason, but now we got the real reason, which everybody was initially talking about, but decided to sweep under the rug because they didn't want to make it look bad. Now it's being reported that Comcast doesn't want a WWE sale for themselves. They don't want to buy WWE because even though USA Network and NBC have a longstanding relationship with Vince, there would be no desire from them to want to work with him. So Vince is not going to sell to Comcast. Vince is going to sell to somebody that is going to want to keep him in charge. That's the problem that you and I as fans are looking at right now as far as this WWE sale goes. Nobody wants to work with him. Nobody wants to work with him. And that's going to be the biggest takeaway from who uh, is going to buy the company. To me, from us. The way we look at it, that's the one thing that we need to know. Who is it sold to, and why aren't they asking for Vince McMahon to get the fuck out? Now, again, I, I, I've said this. I've said this time and time again. It's not about a sale of the company. It's not. It's about who can Vince sell it to that's going to keep him in charge. That's what's going to happen. This is what it's about. I, I, if you're new listening to me, this is, this is what it's about. It's not about a sale of the company. Just like Comcast. Vince is not going to even entertain Comcast. Comcast is out. Comcast could buy WWE and Vince wouldn't sell it to them because they don't want Vince in charge. It's not about a sale of the company. It's about selling the company to somebody that is going to keep Vince McMahon in charge while the company is taken off Wall Street 
and goes private, and then Vince can do whatever he wants. Vince cannot operate the way he wants because it is still a publicly traded company, and he's got shareholders to look out for, and he's got all these people to look out for. He cannot operate, and he cannot pull the trigger on anything he wants to do because it's still a publicly traded company. That's it. So all this shit, all this shit that you're hearing, every, every bit that you're hearing about Nick Khan on these podcasts, oh, Vince is not that involved. Vince is willing to step away if the company is sold and not take a hand in creative. Vince this creative, Vince creative that, blah, blah, blah. It's not about a sale of the company. They are giving you a glimpse into the future. Vince is not that involved yet. Yet. But when the company's sold, and the company is sold to somebody that Vince is okay with, they're going to keep him in charge. The company will be taken off Wall Street. The company will not be a publicly traded company anymore. It goes private, and Vince can have free reign to do whatever he wants. Seriously, that's the entire plan for Vince McMahon to sell the company. So all this shit is nothing more than seeds planted. Nick Khan planting seeds that Vince is inevitably going to take over creative once again. Moving on with the rest of that, Comcast is not involved. There were actually numerous sources related to the rumored buyers who said that Stephanie McMahon could be a desired return. Again, just like how Vince wants to maintain control of WWE through whoever he uh, sells it to, whoever buys it, people should be requesting that if I want to buy, if, if, I, if I'm going to be interested in, in buying the WWE at your price, I'm going to need you out and your daughter back in. That should be a condition. Many of these places want a desired return of Stephanie McMahon, and I don't blame them. One source at Disney said, these companies are doing their due diligence. They're following the news cycles regardless of their public levels of interest. They're aware of the things that would make audiences and staff happy. She seemed to bring a lot of positive to the company. There's not one fucking thing that was said negatively from that locker room about Stephanie McMahon. The company's progression under Nick Khan was also played up. One of the prevalent feelings is that WWE has had effective teams in place and that an acquisition would come as a major shot in the arm for whatever connected streaming service is involved. WWE has rights fees for Raw, SmackDown, Pay-Per-View, and more coming up at almost exactly the same time. So when WWE figures out what they're going to do, it's going to be done at the same time, and it's going to make it a lot easier for whoever buys the company. On top of that, WWE already has teams in place in every department from TV to production to social media, up and down Titan Tower. Everything is where it is. Whoever buys the company doesn't have to do shit. They got people where they need to be, and all they need to do, whoever buys the company, is going to have to do one thing. Get Vince out and get Stephanie back in. That's the only thing they have to do. Everything else is in place. Literally, everything else is in place. It's worth noting that both higher-ups in w, both to both higher-ups in WWE and those close to him personally, Vince McMahon has claimed 
that he would be interested in a sale that didn't involve him staying with the company. McMahon also downplayed rumors of influence on creative to claim to those close to him that he is back to either sell the company or oversee rights fees negotiation. This is all bullshit. Of course, Vince is going to say that because he's got to keep within the strategic planning of what he has going on. Vince is not going to tell people what his real plans are. Why would he? Of course he's going to tell people and downplay rumors of influence on creative to people close to him. I'm just back to sell the company. I'm back to see or, or oversee rights fees negotiations. Of course you are. What good is going to come of it if you tell people close to you, yeah, I'm going to take over creative and my son-in-law is going to be destroyed for a second time? This doesn't make any sense. Why? I don't even know why this reaches the news feeds. Like, how do you read that and not think anything but Vince is playing it safe? Virtually every source connected with a company that has been rumored to have interest was in agreement that if McMahon demanded to remain involved, it would negatively affect the sale price, leverage, and value of the brand moving forward. Vince may be forced to step away if the company is sold. But again, it's not about a sale of the company. It's not. Vince will sell it. He, what was he asking for? $9 billion? Vince will sell The company right now, market cap, is $6.5 billion, maybe a little bit more than that, depending on the last time we talked about the story. Vince would sell the company for $7 billion to anybody that's willing to take it as long as he is in charge. That's going to be that's going to be the thing to keep out for. He wants $9 billion. He wants $9 billion. Saudi could pay $9 billion, $10 billion, $11, $12 billion. Fine. But Vince, it's going to be tough for him to get $9 billion. It's going to be tough to get what he wants right now that he's asking for. Vince would take $7 billion as long as he's in charge. He would sell it to somebody that he doesn't want to sell it to at a $2 billion deduction as long as he's in charge. Guarantee it. Guarantee it. But again, it's not about a sale of the company. It's about getting Vince McMahon what he wants. That's why he's there. That's why he put himself in charge. That's why he blew, that's why he blew up the board of directors. You know this. I don't need to tell you this. There have been several red flags for talent and producers alike in WWE. So now we start hearing from Fightful that talent has red flags. Talent has red flags that Vince McMahon is more in charge than WWE is really telling people. Fightful reported recently that there were concerns amongst talent that Vince could have a bigger hand in creative than has been let on. WWE reps have vehemently denied, of course they would, that McMahon is involved, and McMahon has claimed to those, to him, that he's there to oversee either new TV rights, a sale, or both. However, there have been some red flags that have caused more concern for talent. Now, get this. What are these red flags? Talent have noted that there are more rewrites during the day of a show than usual under the Triple H regime. How many times did you hear about a rewrite back in September, October, November, December? How many times did Triple H go out there and rewrite a show? None. None. You never heard it. It was almost a weekly occurrence when Vince McMahon was in charge. So they 
are seeing rewrites done more and more now, which is a Vince McMahon thing. There have also been some strong indicators of characters and gimmicks being adjusted to a manner in which McMahon had previously preferred that were relaxed or changed when Triple H took over. Asuka is one of them. When Asuka debuted at the Royal Rumble, Asuka came out looking like a fucking killer that she was going to decapitate everybody in that fucking Royal Rumble. Then she shows up on Monday Night Raw week after week after week, and you start to physically see everything that Triple H had in mind for Asuka slowly start to change week over week. One week she came out, she's dancing. One week she came out and she's doing nothing but the fucking mist because it's it's humorous to Vince McMahon, laughing with the mist dribbling down her fucking mouth. Then she comes out one week with no makeup. What happened to the fucking makeup that we saw at the Royal Rumble? She's right back to being the Oscar that was Oscar when Vince McMahon was there. Otis and the Maximum Male Models are on TV again. So WWE, the people in the back, these red flags include rewrites. These red flags include gimmicks and characters being adjusted to a manner in which Vince McMahon had previously preferred. We got Otis, who was being taken seriously with Chad Gable, now dancing with his belly out for maximum male models with the maximum male models all of a sudden coming back to TV. Omos back on TV with Monday Night Raw after Vince went away. Triple H had nothing to do with Omos. Muscle Man Wyatt. We go back to the Firefly Funhouse with Bray Wyatt. What don't you get? Are you blind? Red flag. It's all red flags. But I'm the fucking crazy one. Why is it being reported? Fucking ridiculous. Please, tell me, tell me, tell me. When I am lying to you guys, tell me. Tell me. Tell me when I am telling lies. You can't. You can't. I don't get it. I don't get it. Somebody in the chat just said, Top top dollar gone all of a sudden. Hit row off of television. Hit row off of television. It's amazing. Rewrites, characters, and gimmicks adjusted. I just named to you Otis, the maximum male models, dancing like a fucking geek on television, posing with fucking baby oil. This is Otis that Vince McMahon was in charge of. Oscar, Bray Wyatt, doing muscle man dance. Firefly Funhouse, Omos back on TV. Top dollar and hit row all of a sudden disappear from television, Johnny Gargano being called small, Gable being called a midget and ugly. These are Vince McMahon things, and Fightful is reporting it. Red flags, character changes to the way Vince McMahon preferred things to be done. Red flags, rewrites. I don't know, man. I don't know what... It's going to take for you guys to really get on board with what I'm trying to tell you here. I I really don't know what to do. It's like I'm fighting a losing battle with half the fucking community. Nobody wants to believe me. Oh, Triple H. It's got to be Triple H. No. No, it's not. 
Triple H got rid of the maximum male model. You saw that with LA Knight. Guarantee you it was like it was like a a, a, a trade-off. Oh, I want the maximum male models on TV because me and Bruce put a lot of thought into that, but I'll let you keep LA Knight. We'll get rid of LA Knight from the maximum male models, and we'll give LA Knight his NXT gimmick, but I gotta keep the maximum male models on TV. Fightfuls had constant information sent nearly weekly about a Vince office sign being backstage at WWE tapings. However, that was a sign that contains numerous directions of backstage locations that wasn't updated upon Vince McMahon's departure. It may be truth in plain sight, man. You don't fucking know. Why would you believe anything that comes from the company? Oh, at least to a production area and other numerous locations backstage. Why is his name backstage at all when he has nothing to do or should have nothing to do with the show? Is Vince's office really Vince's office? Is he in there? Maybe not. Maybe Bruce is in there acting on behalf of Vince McMahon. Who the fuck knows? Should be noted that creative is also insistent that they've had no contact with McMahon directly and haven't been told that any changes were from McMahon himself. Of course not. Of course not. Bruce is Vince. Vince is Bruce. Is Bruce. Finkel is Einhorn. Einhorn is Finkel. I don't believe you fucking guys, man. Do you read? Do you listen? Are you listening to this? It should be noted that creative has said there's no contact with Vince McMahon directly and haven't been told that any changes were from McMahon himself. Of course it is. Of course it's going to be that way. Bruce is Vince. Bruce Pritchard is acting as Vince McMahon. He gets calls from Vince. He talks to Vince regularly. He backs Vince. He's been a trusted soldier for 30 years. Of course, whatever Vince wants, he goes through Bruce. Einhorn is Finkel. Finkel is Einhorn. It's the same fucking thing. Ace Ventura, down to a T. I don't get it. I don't really, I don't really understand it. And people, again, call me crazy. McMahon appeared in Boston at the episode of Raw in March. Some people were claiming that he stayed out of the way. Bullshit. Bullshit. He was sitting in Gorilla with a fucking headset on. That was the night Johnny Gargano was called small and Gable was called ugly and short. I'm sure that came from Triple H, right? So Boston, Raw, March, some people claimed he stayed out of the way. However, talent were quick to note he was in Gorilla, where all the performers saw him before walking out and upon coming back through the area. He was sitting there. Where it was Triple H, Vince, and Bruce. If he's not involved... What is he doing sitting in Gorilla for all the show? Use your brains. We were told he was there to visit John Cena. He can't visit John Cena any other fucking day. He don't talk to John Cena. 
John Cena and Vince McMahon probably talk on the regular. Vince McMahon probably knows exactly what John Cena had for breakfast that morning. Fucking ridiculous with this shit. So we go from red flags to the Vince office sign, creative saying they've had no contact with Vince McMahon. We're told also, Fightful says, that both WWE and Vince McMahon are aware that a huge blow to talent morale could likely and would likely happen if he were publicly involved in creative. Let Let me repeat that again. Let me repeat this again. I mean, th- this is so blatant. This is so blatant. It's unbelievable. Fightful is reporting that both WWE and Vince McMahon are aware that a huge blow to talent morale could and likely would happen if he were publicly involved in creative. All the more reason to keep it secret for him to run it in quiet, in silence. Of course, he's running creative, silently, quietly, like Batman and fucking Gotham. Triple H is never going to tell you that. Bruce is never going to tell you that. should also be noted there is no smoking gun that Vince is involved. There's no smoking gun. I just gave you every fucking smoke. I gave you every bullet in the chamber onto why Vince McMahon is back. There's no smoking gun. Of course Fightful would say that. They're in bed with WWE just like all the rest. There are also several tells that indicate he's not. Sure thing, Sap. The lack of constant rematches and the talent that he didn't like being used. Yes, the talent that he did like, that we didn't like, is on TV. And the lack of constant rematches, I don't know, man. Raw hasn't felt good lately. It's easy to hide constant rematches with fucking Ali versus Omos and Dolph Ziggler versus Gunther. Let's pretend there isn't a brand split. That'll get them. A lot of these concerns were also openly discussed that they end up making their way to the AEW locker room as well. (laughs) Oh, man, if I could tell you what I know, what I know, man, holy shit. Oh, that, that is an understatement, man. Oh, unbelievable, man. Absolutely unbelievable. You guys really got to wake up. If there's one thing you need to know, man, you got to wake up. Stop believing everything that you are being fed. Feel like this is the only hub for truth. Honestly. Ridiculous. Shifting gears to AEW, man. WWE has their big weekend. We know that with WrestleMania, but we are uh, in no shortage of AEW news with CM Punk running around. Several top stars apparently in AEW don't want CM Punk back in the company. This is from Wade Keller on a VIP audio show 
Wade Keller provided details on the behind-the-scenes issues with Punk. I feel like this is going to be another uh, thing that pours more gasoline on the fucking Punk fire. He noted that several top AEW stars don't like Punk, in addition to the majority of the roster not wanting him back. For one, John Moxley and CM Punk do not like each other that much. Anybody I asked around will say that. It's very clear, says Wade Keller. There's a tension to a degree. Certainly, they are not in a position now where anyone would predict that they would want to work together or if they would even feel comfortable working together on a promo or whatever. Keller continues, and I quote, From what I gather, the sentiment is that he's just not welcomed back. The wrestlers don't want him back. The majority of the wrestlers don't want him back. I, I would go as far as to say even that my sources are saying the mass majority of wrestlers don't want him back. I don't find that to be true at all. One person said maybe one or two of the top third of the roster want him back in top half. And then there are some younger guys who liked him in terms of the top stars. The politics are not terribly among the top guys. There are some things, tension among the top guys, but it's mostly Punk doesn't get along with Hangman. Punk doesn't get along with Moxley. Punk doesn't get along with Kenny. Punk doesn't get along with the Bucks. Punk doesn't get along with MJF. Actually, I'm not sure on the MJF thing, but I think the way things went down, even that situation, it's not as strong as it once was. Kind of backtracks on the MJF thing. I I mean, I I think if I asked MJF in private what he thought of CM Punk, I I don't think he dislikes CM Punk. I mean, the, the entire basis of their feud was because MJF was a guy that looked up to Punk as an influence. They basically turned it into a storyline, the greatest storyline in AEW history. Keller noted that Moxley and Jericho really like each other, and there are other top wrestlers who also get along. He noted that it ranges from peaceful coexistence and really getting along, but Punk is the exception to that. He says, and I quote, Punk is the exception to that right now. Him going off on Instagram really hurts the chances of him being welcomed back One wrestler I talked to outright said that it might not matter what the wrestlers think. If Tony Khan wants Punk back, Punk is going to be brought back. Yes! It doesn't matter what the locker room thinks. Keller added, my sense is that there would be something greater than a strong pushback amongst top talent at AEW if Tony Khan tries to bring Punk back at this point. I think it would be difficult before Punk said what he said on Instagram I think it's going to be much more difficult now, but I don't know if the odds of Tony wanting to bring him back have changed based on what Punk said. Now, you know, all this, this is all, this is all BS. All of this is nonsense. Wade Keller now saying all of this, the locker room doesn't want Punk back. A majority of the guys Don't want Punk back. Meltzer went on to say what he said that got Punk to Instagram his thoughts that got him into trouble this second time around. That blew up the internet. It's not about what the locker room wants. The only thing that matters is Tony Khan. Does Tony Khan want CM Punk back? Does Tony Khan want CM Punk on television to make the company better? It's Tony Khan's job 
to sit with the locker room, be a boss, and tell his bosses that aren't really his boss, he's the one paying them, I want Punk back, and that's the only fucking thing that matters. The only thing that matters is what Tony Khan thinks. Not Moxley, not Jericho, not Omega, not the Bunks, not Hangman, nobody but Tony Khan. I don't understand what the problem is here. Tony Khan needs to be a boss. Tony Khan needs to fucking put his foot down. Tony Khan needs to talk to the rest of the locker room, be a fucking boss instead of being a friend, and making people afraid of the repercussions, possibly, of going against him in his decisions. The only thing that matters here, it doesn't matter who likes punk or not. The only thing that matters is what Tony Khan wants to do. If Tony wants to bring punk back, then that's what's going to happen and everyone has to live with it. Otherwise, get out and don't get paid. Simple. Does the entire locker room hate CM Punk? No, they don't. There are pro CM Punk in that locker room. Why are we putting stories out like this and making it worse? The community is part of the problem, a big part of the problem. One part of it is Tony Khan's leadership. The other part is CM Punk allowed to do whatever he wants. You can't do that. Tony Khan cannot let CM Punk go out there and be his own boss. He's the boss. He is to tell CM Punk what should be said and what cannot be said. You're a representation of me and my company. You do what the fuck I say. I'm paying you. Mega money. It's not like he's coming in for some fucking low ball deal. And the other guys, you want to be here, then be here. I'm bringing him back. He makes my show better. He makes the company better. Notoriety to the company. We got money to be made. You're going to do what I say now. Don't know why this is an issue. I don't know why this is an issue. Keller, Alvarez, Meltzer, Sap, all these people... Making things worse. Punk was quiet until he decided to defend himself on social media from what Meltzer said, which then led to Moxley and Jericho being mentioned by Meltzer. So Punk mentioned Moxley and Jericho. For all we know, it could be a fucking work. We don't know. We don't. Punk could be back and all this could be like, ha, ha, ha. You know, my conspiracy theory cap is still on. They got this all-access show, which... I caught a little bit of a glimpse of uh, a clip on social media and whatnot in regards to Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa, which is another story in its own mind. But who's to say that they didn't do this shit for the fucking TV show? Who's to say? I don't know. Don't know. We have a Ring of Honor note. A Ring of Honor note here. Tony Khan is introducing new... Ring of Honor Tag Team Championships at Supercard of Honor. Tony Khan appeared on the Battleground podcast to talk about Ring of Honor Supercard of Honor, which is airing this Friday on the Bleacher Report app. Tony Khan, I believe traditional pay-per-view as well. It should be. Tony Khan says in regards to the Reach for the Sky ladder match taking place on March 31. We were talking about ideas to pay tribute to the late great Uh, Jay Briscoe. So many of us love Jay. He was beloved in the locker room, and there's wrestling fans all over the world that loved him. 
We wanted to pay tribute to him in Ring of Honor with something special, and all the ideas that I heard, this was by far the best idea. It came from somebody who liked him a lot and wanted to contribute a good idea. Mark Briscoe really thought it was a great idea, and that was important to me, too. Of course, Mark Briscoe is wrestling on this pay-per-view, the Ring of Honor TV title, against Samoa Joe. And Mark Briscoe is also right now current co-holder of the World Tag Team Championships, and having his opinion, having his buy into this plan made all the difference in the world. So we're going to have the Jay Briscoe Reach for the Sky Tag Team Ladder Match to determine new champions. There'll be new belts. We are retiring the old design. Good. Good. Honor the late Jay Briscoe and get new tag team titles for a new era. Simple as that. The Briscoes are tag team champions, the last old Ring of Honor tag team champions, and there's no better way than to solidify that era of the Briscoes with that. We are now going into a new era. Ring of Honor just got new TV. The Briscoes, unfortunately, obviously, can no longer defend their tag team championships the way that they would like, but we now have tag team champions in a new era with new designs, and we're going to pay homage and memorialize Jay Briscoe via the ladder match, the Reach for the Sky ladder match. Excellent. I love it. Absolutely fantastic. WWE may be reuniting two former NXT stars after WrestleMania, and this gets me very excited. There is talk about reuniting Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano on the main roster. Now, the last time we saw Champa on Raw was September 17th. He faced Bobby Lashley. He had been in line with The Miz, trying to help him escape the wrath of Dexter Loomis on Monday Night Raw before disappearing from television as he underwent hip surgery last October. Gargano is not at WrestleMania. He's going to be in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal on Friday. But he will be wrestling Grayson Waller in an unsanctioned match on Stand and Deliver NXT Saturday. Gargano recently stated in an interview that they hadn't scratched the surface of a DIY run on the main roster and left the door open to it. The wrestling account on Twitter, WRKD, reports that WWE had discussed reuniting Champa and Gargano on the main roster coming out of WrestleMania. This makes me very happy. And this is obviously a Triple H-driven creative decision. Johnny Gargano is not really hitting the mark on the main roster. Tommaso Ciampa was kind of getting his groove on the main roster, then got hurt. There is so much you can do with Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa. As a tag team, not only would it revitalize tag team wrestling in WWE, on top of what WWE has right now as far as tag teams, they got some great tag teams. Kevin Owens and... Sami Zayn are going to be tag team champions following WrestleMania. Imagine a match with Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano. DIY versus Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Imagine Triple H taking Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa and playing out their entire NXT match and story and history on the main roster for you guys to see all over again. How many of those people saw the greatness that was that feud? Imagine Triple H recreating that on the main roster. My God. The fucking stories that could be told there, man. Oh, my goodness. That gets me excited. That gets me excited. Imagine that. 
That's something that I would love to see. Because we've been asking for something like that on the main roster. That could be something special. I'm down for that big time. And I can't wait for Champa to get back, man. I'd love for that to happen, and hopefully that's still in the plans. And WWE, the higher-ups, they push back on the notion that Sami Zayn isn't seen as a top guy. You know, for all the talk that Sami Zayn wasn't a top guy going into his match with Roman Reigns, and that's the reason why he didn't win the world titles and this and that, that wasn't the reason why Sami Zayn didn't win the world titles at the Elimination Chamber. WWE now is finally pushing back on that. A WWE higher-up spoke to Fightful around the time of Elimination Chamber, speaking on the progression of Sami Zayn and the rumors that WWE didn't view him as a top performer. But while the higher-up spoke on the condition of being anonymous, they said that the company has been ecstatic about Zayn's performance and crowd reactions. He's headlined a pay-per-view, this, says this anonymous source. He's headlined a pay-per-view. He's the focal point of our biggest shows. He's main eventing Raw. He is 1B for the biggest storyline in the company right now. I honestly think it's bigger than Roman and, and Cody. They think it's 1B. I think it's 1A. Elimination Chamber didn't happen in his hometown by accident. WWE is now strategically booking these shows with creative in mind, which I love that idea. For anyone to say that we don't view him as a top guy just hasn't been watching the program or fabricating things. We have had solid set of plans in order for both him and the championship. Just because he isn't competing for the championship at WrestleMania doesn't mean he isn't viewed as, uh, as a main event guy. He's been the MVP since last summer, and I couldn't see many disagreeing with that point, the source told Fightful. Internal WWE documents had Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn slated to compete for the tag team titles as far back as November. We all knew that. The higher-up spoke well of Zayn and how easy he is to deal with throughout his major push. They went as far as to say, even when Zayn completely improvised his pre-elimination chamber promo, that ended up better for the company and Zayn himself. Sami Zayn is absolutely a top guy. I don't know who this anonymous uh, higher-up was, but he said he's 1B for the biggest storyline going into WrestleMania. No, he's 1A for the biggest storyline going into, the co- into WrestleMania for the company. Because that has had more legs in it than Cody and Roman. Cody and Roman's only had six weeks. No matter what they want to tell you. Oh, it's been planned since back in August. Yes, it was a plan B. WWE wanted The Rock. And when they knew they didn't get The Rock, then they went with plan B right at the Royal Rumble. Rock waited till the last minute to tell WWE that he didn't want to do WrestleMania. That was back two weeks before the Royal Rumble. So then they went with plan B. Cody is a plan B. So no matter what you thought, yeah, the idea of it was there. You weren't planning it from then. You planned it at the Royal Rumble. And you could see the level of planning that WWE put into Roman and Cody. There, is, there really isn't anything there outside of, oh, my father. Oh, Dusty. Oh, you went to a rival promotion. You couldn't get over there. Stardust. You're not the guy. This is a storyline that has been built up since, no, since August. The plan, the product of months is this? No. Cody and Roman is 1C. 1A is Sammy and KO versus the Usos. 1B is Rey Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio. 1C is Roman and Cody. I don't really understand the, uh, the logic that Sammy's not a top guy. He absolutely is. For all intents and purposes, he's main eventing on Saturday night. That's a top guy. 
That's all I got for you guys tonight, man. I really appreciate you uh, hanging out tonight on the show. We had a great, a great show this Thursday afternoon, and I appreciate you guys very much for hanging out with me. On Off the Script, we're about to get into the Super Chats in just a little bit. I want to check you guys in the chat. Get those likes up, man. 800 likes. We are 200 away from 1,000 likes. Can we get there? Super Chats are open. Get them on in. We're going to hang out with our cold beverages. Mine is not so cold anymore. Uh, Memberships are open. Get them on in. Friday, VIP only, man. My mother's basement debuts right here on Off the Script. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. And make sure you guys go check out all the other content on the channel if you missed any, any of the content from this week and last weekend. It's there on the homepage for you. Moretz with a 10-month in the OTS venue, man. 10-month membership. Thank you, brother. Jason Barker with a $20 Super Chat. I see you have a busy week. I hope you get a supply of Starbucks or my favorite Dunkin' Donut cold brew. Much love to you, my brother. And last but not least, what cold beverage are you drinking? Man, I'm going to be making myself an old-fashioned tonight. As always, thank you, Jason, for the 20-bomb. And we are just getting started, man. Sidro with a $5 Super Chat. Hey, my tribal chief, I gotta head to work. Domino's to deliver pizza and watch Dungeons and Dragons tonight. My love to all you do. I also bought Resident Evil 4, man. I love it so far. It looks fantastic. Willem Hendrick Fullard with 27 months in the OTS venue. JD, what's up, brother? I'm excited for WrestleMania weekend. And, of course, OTS, keep up the good work. Thank you, Mr. Fullard. I appreciate you, brother. Sidro also becomes a new member. I don't know why it says that, unless he really is a new member. But uh, if that's the case, Sidro, thank you. Michelle Moran with a $5 super chat. If Sammy KO versus Usos is not the main event of night one, then that is a disgrace. And if it turns out to be Cena Theory is the main event, then Vince made the match order, not Triple H. Um, Cena Theory is opening WrestleMania Night 1. They are not main eventing. JLD with eight months. Thank you, brother. Eight-month VIP. Can't wait for my mother's basement. I'm pumped for this weekend. Let's go. Keep it. Keep killing it, bro. OTS for life. Thank you, JLD. Three Kings with eight months. I can't wait to see the reveal of your mother's basement tomorrow. I can't wait to show you guys, man. Christy Wilson with a 499. I hope Vince gets kicked out of WWE once this WrestleMania is over. I hope so too. Nick Williams, once again, thank you for the $100 super chat, bro. I appreciate you very much. Marco Polo with a new membership. Marco, what the fuck are you drinking, brother? Vincent Tarantini with 10 months. My mother's basement at WrestleMania 39. Let's fucking go, he says. N with a 499. JD, did you see the red cell is back to the original? Yes, I did. Talked about it in the very beginning of this show, N. 
WWE's been much, much more enjoyable with Triple H. I really hope it stays that way post-sale. Tay, the savior of the 499, do you believe that bringing back the Andre the Giant Memorial is a Vince McMahon move? Um, I don't know. Possibly. It could possibly be a Vince McMahon move, but I, I think at the end of that, Triple H really wanted to get everybody involved in the WrestleMania festivities, and this is just another way to get everybody kind of feeling a part of it. Miles Marable with a 499. JD, I've tried, but I will no longer slander on the goat of cereal cinnamon toast crunch. Just kidding. Can't wait for my mother's basement. Hashtag OTS for life. Thank you, Miles. Matthew Malnar with a eight months. Thank you, Matthew. Imagine Brian Cage showing up to confront LA Knight or Bobby Lashley just saying. I don't think that's a WrestleMania moment. Brian Cage? If anything, Brian Cage shows up on Monday. Jay White would be a WrestleMania surprise, not Brian Cage. Tay, the savior with a 499. Now that Lashley versus White is off the WrestleMania card, what do you do with Bobby Lashley? I have no clue. I have no idea, man. L.A. Knight. Maybe a match with L.A. Knight. Maybe a match with uh, Karrion Cross. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what you do with him. Tone C with a $10 super chat. Tequila and squirt with lime. Make it a double. Ready for tomorrow night's show. Thank you, Tone C. I will make sure that you have that tequila with squirt. I think Jesse stocks squirt in the venue. And Cody Snyder. Cody Snyder with a $5 super chat. Thank you, Cody. Mania week, Chief. Stoked for the rest of this week, especially tomorrow night. Favorite Mania entrance. Right off, I got to say HBK WrestleMania 12. Um, and that's that's up there for sure. I'm sure Triple H had a great entrance. Triple H always had great entrances. I loved Rusev on the tank. Right? I love Shawn Michaels' entrance when he wrestled Undertaker at WrestleMania 25, like he was coming up from the light or descending from heaven, right? That whole light versus darkness feud, that was fucking great. And Red Raven Rucker with a 499. It's been a long week. I lost my job on Friday, got a new job today, and watching you has kept my spirits up. Red Raven. It's weird how things work out, man. Sorry about you losing your job, but you got a new job, and I'm glad I could keep you company today, man. It's going to be a great weekend. Keep those spirits up. AWC Legend. Great show, JD. Love the work. Found you last summer, and it's been great ever since. Appreciate you, bro. Thank you so much. Uh, He did request in the super chat that he wanted me to do the uh, little hobbits. There you go. Anyway, guys, I'm about to get out of here. Thank you so much for a great stream tonight, man. Appreciate you guys being here. 
Tomorrow's gonna be very special, man. We got my mother's basement debuting tomorrow night. It's gonna be awesome. Right after the Hall of Fame. You better be there. And if you're not there, I don't know what to tell you. You'll see us on Saturday night for night one of WrestleMania. Anyway, guys. I'm getting out of here. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Hit those uh, likes. Hit those like buttons. Get a thousand. We're almost at 150 away. Go check out all the other videos that you might have missed on the channel. And please make sure you guys sign up for tomorrow night. Become a VIP right here on Off the Script. Can't urge you enough. It's a great place to be. We built something great here, and tomorrow's going to be. A brand new year for Off The Script, man. I appreciate you guys very much. Until then, guys, enjoy the rest of your Thursdays. And Friday night, I will see you in my mother's basement right here for SmackDown on Off The Script. I'll see you guys later.